0: All right, Joyce. All right. Anybody else? Janie. Amen. All right, Stacy. good all right anybody else all right jason would you hand this out to the three ladies that just said a verse no stealing hebrews 11 and we've been looking at the hall of faith the hall of fame the hall of faith and uh we're finishing up hebrews 11 today we'll be actually finishing up the entire book series of that we've been on next Sunday, it'll actually go into chapter 12 just a little bit, but we'll finish up today as we look at these, now just a whole list of people, we've been talking about individuals, we talked about Rahab last week and now on uh, Hebrews 11 verse 32 thank you, it says "And what shall I more say for time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson And of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women also, women received their dead raised to life again. Now up to that point, reading from verse Uh, 32 to the middle of verse 35. I sure hope that I'm in that list, uh, because I don't want to be in this list. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Now, how many of you would agree with me, you'd rather be in the first part of the list than the last part of the list? But both parts are equally recognized as being people of faith. And that is an encouragement to us. I remember one of our missionaries came a few years ago, and he said, nobody wants to be in those verses. But those verses are there for encouraging us that that's also part of it. And there are people that don't necessarily, uh, you know, end uh, happily ever after on this world. They die and they go to heaven. Uh, Sawn asunder sounds pretty lousy. (coughs) I mean, think about it. Sawn asunder. And it says in verse 39, And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us, should not be made perfect. What does that mean? In other words, we are all one family. We're the family of faith. And these Old Testament saints who endured these things and experienced these things did not necessarily receive the promise. Abraham didn't ever in his lifetime totally receive all the promises, but that doesn't mean he won't receive them because through salvation we have eternal life and we will always have uh, the ability to see the future and to realize what was promised to us in the past and uh they obtained a good report and uh god providing a better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect that that they by themselves are not all there is our story is to be told as well our story is a part of this family of faith and so today we're going to look at just the whole concept of (coughs) through faith who are the great people Are they the ones whose names appear in the headlines of newspapers? No. The great people of the earth are those who allow the Lord to be great in their lives. I put an asterisk next to this next sentence. They are more concerned about what people think of God than what people think of them. That is a great statement. They are more concerned about what people think of God... Than what people think of them. That's really the key. No matter what, if I have to be sawn asunder, sure don't wish that on anybody. If I have to go through torture, or if I have to experience lousiness, if that's what points people to God, and if that's what helps the reputation of God to be magnified, that's what matters. They were more concerned about what people thought of God than what people thought of themselves. Through faith, they stand the test. And so as we read these verses, 32 to 40, we notice what God says in his word. These, the lives of these noble souls are marked by this expression through faith. Different experiences, very different experiences, but all through faith. We understand that the Christian life cannot be lived apart from faith in Jesus Christ. It says in chapter 12, verse 2, that Jesus is the author and finisher, of our face, he, he—he's the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha, A, and Omega, letter Z. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He is everything. He started it. He finishes it. And we have—we have faith only because God gives us the ability to trust Him, and to—and to be saved, and then to grow in that faith. Um, Galatians two twenty is a, a verse that we sing a lot. I am crucified with Christ; nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ, liveth in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God, which loved me and gave himself for me. The box here says dying to self is the absolute essential to serving the Lord. Dying to self. This is why they were more concerned about what people thought about God than what people thought about them. Look at one, just one of those. It says here who stopped the mouths of lions. Well, the truth is Daniel didn't know if the lions' mouths were going to get stopped or not. And it wasn't really Daniel that stopped him, but God stopped the lion's mouths for Daniel's sake. And what was Daniel's point, though? To show God is more important than any rule or law that some king can make that would go against his religion, that would go against God. And so Daniel was willing to be tossed to the lion's den. We know that uh, there were others that were tossed into the fiery furnace during Daniel's time, and they survived it. Uh, We know that there were others who uh, were challenged in different ways, Goliath. The giant and uh, others who were challenged in great ways that caused them to have to make decisions that could only be made through faith. And so uh, the Lord Jesus said in John 15, and uh, I really should just turn there and read all five verses, John 15, 1 through 5, <clears throat> he compared himself to a vine and branches. In John 15, 1, it says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. So, what's in the way? The branches. The branches are you and I, our flesh, our humanity. The vine is Christ, and sometimes our own flesh gets in the way of the vine being able to do more. And that's why there's a constant pruning going on in gardening. There constantly is a need for branches not to Uh, willing to be tapped into by the vine to be taken away so that the other branches can become productive. And so in verse 2, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth fruit, much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. There it is at the end of verse 5. For without me, ye can do nothing. We can look at branches and say, wow, what beautiful, magnificent branches. But without the vine, they're dead. There's no fruitfulness. There's no life. There's nothing there. It is Christ that gives us the ability to be anything. And so the vine is the most important part. Our Lord's disciples said to him in luke 17 5 lord increase our faith there's nothing wrong with praying that but let me tell you something if you pray that you're probably going to be challenged in ways you didn't want to be challenged you're probably going to have a purging and a pruning that you didn't want necessarily but it will increase your faith and so when you pray lord increase my faith please understand that he's going to probably do some things that you didn't like but it will increase your faith that's that's the answer to your prayer Have you ever prayed for increased faith? We must be people who live through faith. And without faith, we can't please him. As the beginning of Hebrews 11 tells us in verse 6, it's impossible to please him without faith. We must believe and trust him. And so by faith, we please God. By faith, we see the victory. And as we sang, and Madison asked for that song to be sung this morning, Matthew 6, 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Put God first And live by faith. So, three points today as far as through faith. Through faith, they subdued kingdoms. Again, we read verses 32 through 34. What shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and of David also and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions quenched the violence of fire escaped the edge of the sword out of weakness were made strong waxed valiant in fight turned to flight the armies of the aliens and so here are these people who who conquered and were victorious and were able to see things done in their lives that made no sense humanly possible humanly speaking it was impossible and yet God used them to show <coughs> that through faith they could subdue kingdoms the Lord reminds us of what he accomplished through the lives of submissive people who place their faith in him and sitting still and letting him do the purging and the pruning that he wants to do. The Lord calls our attention to these Judges. Let's go to Judges and with our finger in Hebrews 11, let's go back to Judges and we'll, we'll start stop at the very end of Judges, the last chapter of Judges and uh, and then we'll go into chapter 6. But Judges 21 and verse 25 this is how the the whole book ends and there's a lot of repeats of this verse this phrase is in the in the book of judges several times and it ends with this phrase in those days there was no king in israel every man did that which was right in his own eyes that's the theme of judges everybody just kind of followed their own nose or whatever felt good or whatever seemed to be right and there wasn't a lot of following God they had gotten away from God they had gotten so goofed up in some of their thinking and and, uh, Judges is really kind of a dysfunctional book of dysfunctional people who just weren't staying close to the Lord and to to his word but in there you see people who walked by faith and not by sight who didn't just uh, do what everything was good in their own eyes but actually listened to God and when they listened to God God did some special things for them and notice, if you will, in the book of Judges, it's not so much by force it is as it is by faith. There is the story of Samson who, who had the muscles, you know, but truly we don't know if Samson had muscles. The only thing we know for sure is that Samson had long hair, which was a sign of a covenant between him and God. And when that long hair was cut, he lost all of his strength because he lost the spirit of God's presence in his life. And <clears throat> I don't know for sure if Samson looked like, you know, Hercules. I, I have a feeling that Samson probably didn't look much more different than any other average man, <clears throat> because when they came to Delilah, they said, find out where his great strength lies. In other words, we can't figure it out. Um, <clears throat> we don't have any way to match that strength. And so even Samson was, uh, I enig- enig- can't say that word, enigma, of what What really was the, the issue. He was a miracle, and and. and god was the one who got the glory and what you remember that samson prayed and begged god one more time to give him enough strength and he used it to ultimately defeat the philistines and to send him to his own death but here in judges chapter six we got this other guy who is not a samson in fact he's a chicken his name is gideon and gideon means chicken no i don't know if it really means chicken or not but that's what gideon was he was kind of afraid uh, the Midianites, there's a million of them. They're they're like the grasshoppers all over the place. They're just everywhere. And the Midianites have pretty much taken over all the land. And uh, Gideon is hiding. <clears throat> and Gideon, we pick up in the middle of the story, but Gideon pretty much uh, is is in hiding. He's he's hiding in a in a uh, threshing uh, or he's threshing wheat, but he's hiding down in a wine press, which is not where you thresh wheat. You you, you thresh wheat out where there's going to be a breeze, where there's going to be some wind. Well, he's down in a pit. Well, there's no wind in a pit. But why is he down in a pit? Because he's scared. He doesn't want the Midianites to find him. So he's trying to thresh wheat, which is tossing up the wheat and getting the chaff to blow away, and then you have the good stuff remaining. He's trying to do his job without getting caught by the Midianites. And so um, he's, he's a little bit of a chicken. And uh, it says in verse 12, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon says, Who, me? No, that's not exactly in the King James. So let me read it, King James. But this is pretty much what he says. Oh, my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles, which our father told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said to him, Oh, my Lord, Wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And so the Lord says to Gideon, Go up. Go in thy might right now. It's enough. I'll take care of you. I'm enough. As long as I'm with you and I'm telling you to go, go do it. And Gideon was afraid. He, He tested the Lord in several different ways. God sent him special messages and allowed him to Hear about a dream that the Midianites had that was just to kind of to help boost his confidence. I'll be honest, I I've, I've been gi- just like Gideon a lot of times, or I just don't have enough faith <clears throat> to believe that God can do it. And God does special things for me sometimes. It's just to try to encourage my cowardness and to sh- share with me, look, <clears throat> you are called to do this and you can do it, but not in your own strength. I'm going to do it. <clears throat> to make a long story short, Gideon finally gathers an army of of Israelites to fight the Midianites. He gets 32,000 people, 32,000 men. Well, that's that's a good sized bunch of men, <clears throat> but not compared to the millions that the Midianites are, but 32,000 is a good number. <clears throat> that's a lot of guys. And God says to Gideon, you got too many. And Gideon, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but what you've got too many. I want you to make an announcement. You tell all of them that are afraid to just go home. All right. Listen up, everybody. If you are at all afraid, if you are at all worried about this, (laughs) go home. And 22,000 went home. 22,000 left, and he's he's now down to 10,000. Oh, and well, I guess God's going to do something with the 10,000. And God says, there's still too many. I want you to take them down to the brook, and I want you to put a test and give them a test and watch how they drink water out of the brook and if they stick their faces down like a dog and just just drink without being cautious I want you to send them home but if they're cautious and they lift their hand to their mouth and just kind of look around uh, I want you to save them so out of the out of the 10,000 that he tested them with 9,700 flunked and they all had to go home and 300 passed and God says all right That's that's the right size. 300. (laughs) 300. We're less than 10% of what we started with. 300? We're less than 1% of what we started with. 300, this is crazy. 300. Now, I'm not sure he said all that, but I would have thought that. What's even more funny is the night of the battle, they surround the Midianite camp, this huge army down in the valley. And they surround the Midianite camp and the ridge line up above. And Gideon get in hands out the weapons he hands out the grenades and the tomahawks and whatever. No, he hands out a clay pitcher and a torch and a trumpet. All right, here's our weapons, guys, and the three hundred are thinking, man, I sure wish I'd have left with the other guys. This is crazy. this is nuts. No, God has a plan. You stick the the torch, you stick the torch inside the pitcher, don't let it go out, but just make sure that it's so it's the the light is hidden so they can't see the light. And then you have the trumpet in your other hand. <clears throat> and when I give the signal, we're all going to break the pitcher. We're all going to the, smash the pitcher and let the light shine and blow on the trumpet and yell, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And that's exactly what they did. They stood around the camp, and when they saw Gideon give the signal, they all smashed the pitchers, held the torches high, and blew with the trumpet and yelled, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And then what? Well, you remember the story of Jericho. God does the rest. And the Midianites got up. They heard all these trumpets blaring. They saw all these lights shining around them. And they just went berserk and thought that Israel had millions of people around them. And they just started killing whatever was in front of them. They were killing their own. The Midianites were literally killing each other. It was a huge victory. But everybody that knew, knew that was God. That wasn't really Gideon. I mean, it was the faith of Gideon. It was Gideon's faith that allowed God to do it, but it was God, and only Christ can truly conquer the hearts of people too. It doesn't matter if we get all these laws passed or if we by force can force people to do stuff. Just like communists, you can force people into certain things, but you can't make them believe something. And the same thing with us: we can't force people to believe anything. And as parents, we are given the uh, the admonition and and the teaching from Proverbs and other places that we are to discipline our children. But at the same time, those kids are getting older and as they get older, you just can't keep using force to make them good kids. And so it requires faith that God will surround their heart and God will will captivate them and defeat them uh, in ways that you and I can't. So remember, it's not about resources. It's just about God. It's not about having bigger numbers. It's just about God. Uh, we already have a great God, and he's big enough. I'm reminded what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. When I go there in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And 2 Corinthians 12 and verse number 9 and 10, it says, <coughs> God said unto me, Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee, For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Strength is made perfect in weakness. What does that mean? In other words, God loves the idea that you're weak and he's strong, that you can't do it, but he can. And he really wants to use you when you're weak so that he can get the glory instead of you. That's why he waits till Moses is 80 years old before he decides to use Moses that's why he allows Paul to have this thorn in the flesh like our bulletin says on the back of the bulletin today this thorn to remind Paul and to also illustrate to others that it really isn't some suave debonair amazing uh talent that Paul has it's rather the weakness that God is wanting to use because then he gets the glory so then verse nine most gladly therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities I am actually praising God for the fact that I am a weakling and that I do have problems, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. And they learned to subdue kingdoms not in their own physical strength. Very few times do you read in the Bible where it was strategy that got the victory for God's people it was actually usually just God doing some amazing, weird, strange thing that could only be attributed to him. So we're doing battle on a daily basis with the kingdom of the devil, you and I, the prince and power of the air. And the Bible says there is only one shield that quenches all these fiery darts, and that's the shield of faith in Ephesians 6.16. And so by faith we subdue kingdoms. By faith we believe that God can do the impossible speaking of subduing kingdoms god allows this little baby boy moses to be uh, adopted into the kingdom of egypt into the palace and we know how that all ended god did that god has the ability to destroy powerful kingdoms and nations and governments no matter who they are trust him so through faith they subdued kingdoms then secondly through faith they suffered for righteousness sake Many are suffering in this world, but not all are suffering because of their faith. The Lord commends those who are suffering for their faith. We read that back in Hebrews 11. And now we read those passages that are kind of uncomfortable and make us squirm a little bit as we read verse 35 through 37. Women received their dead raised to life again. Well, that sounds good. But then the rest of it goes like this. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. When it says they wandered in sheepskins and goatskins, I think what that means is is that they were tortured and they were put inside these these wet or raw skins and it was sewn over their bodies and then as it tightened and dried, it just became miserable. These people suffered for their faith. They don't even all have names. They have names, but we don't get their names here. We can only guess at some and <coughs> wait till we get to heaven to meet the others. There are people all over this world that we know who excuse me there are people all over this world that we know not of who have I can't read that today Of who have never made the headlines or history books there are people in this world and there are people that used to be in this world that we don't know anything about can I remind you something about history The, the victors always write it the conquerors always write history there's not all the details of even Baptist history. We have enough details to know there's always been a, a lineage of Baptist people ever since the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm telling you, if you start to read about the Waldensians and the Donatists, and the Policans and these people, they suffered and they were tortured and they were they were um, given all kinds of grief by the Roman Catholic Church and the state religions of their day years and years ago. We don't know all their names. <clears throat> they didn't make the headlines or the history books but when the reckoning day finally comes we're going to have to probably stand aside for those who have suffered for their faith in christ we have our christian heroes or the people that we looked up to today and there's christians who are more popular than others and we tend to think that they're the great christians of the faith and and really probably compared to us they are but probably when we get to heaven we're all going to stand aside including the the popular christians of the day are going to stand aside and let these these people we've never heard of into the front of the line because God knows who the real heroes are God knows who've suffered and who were just a, a a testimony and a light of his glory to the world that they they never got recognized for it but they were they were awesome I think of the little maid who told Naaman about the prophet in Israel and how that he could be healed of his leprosy Bible never says what that girl's name is but I guarantee you she's in heaven. And God used her as a slave girl to to bring about a great story for a man who wasn't even an Israelite, a, a, a Syrian called Naaman. God does those things, and we don't necessarily know all the names. I, I'd love to meet the four guys that brought that leper, or excuse me, that cripple to Jesus, tore off the roof and started letting him down. We don't know the, We don't know their names. We don't know the names, but those guys had faith. Jesus said when he when he saw their faith, he said, be healed and take up your bed and walk. We don't know the names of those people. We there are a lot of people throughout history and even in the in the Bible that we didn't get their name. But God knows. And uh, it could be that we'll stand aside and watch as these unsung heroes file by. Of course, we'll just be glad to be there, but it'll be interesting to see. Some of these people, I don't know, even from the Bible, I don't know who they're talking about when they say someone was sawn asunder. I mean, imagine, you know, those old saw blades with the two hand, handle on each end. I i can't imagine. I can't imagine being sawn asunder. But somebody was sawn asunder for God. So at the top of page 51 When these precious ones stand before the Lord, they're going to have, and notice that in verse 35, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Now, does that mean that they are the ones that get saved and not us because they, no. It's just that their resurrection will include better rewards than us. In in case you didn't know this, there's awards in heaven. And theirs will be better. And so don't think that what happens to you is a terrible thing. It actually could be a blessing because it's giving you opportunity to earn some rewards. Look with me, if you would, in 1 Peter. 1 Peter, just a few pages over. We'll start in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. There is a trial of our faith. I think every one of us who are Christians have trials that are there to, to prove us, to test us, and to Purify the impurities in us to make us more like Christ. <coughs> first Peter four, chapter four now, first Peter four, verse twelve. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened. You're not gonna believe what happened to me. I don't understand why that you know what there's that's just I I, I think that's just part for the course as Christians. I think we need to realize that if if it's if it is bizarre, it must be a trial. If it is unusual, it must be something God's doing for a reason. He's allowing it to happen for a reason. So don't think it's strange or, or accuse God of anything. Verse thirteen, but rejoice, inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. When the resurrection day happens, you and I will be glad for all those things that have made us so frustrated. We'll be glad at that day. When the resurrection day happens, we'll suddenly realize it, it's worth it all. And it was worth it all. And there's a reason for it. There's a better resurrection ahead of us if we'll trust him. Verse 14 says, if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. Well, let's be honest. We're not usually happy. We're usually mad and frustrated and angry at someone. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. This is a great thought. If you're going to suffer, suffer for a good cause. Don't suffer because of your, your wickedness, because you're a thief or an evildoer. Suffer because of Christ. That's a good thing to suffer for. I don't want to go to prison, but if I'm going to go, I want it to be for Christ, not for any other reason. And, and don't be ashamed. If any man suffers a Christian, verse 16, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. It's good to teach our children, not to be ashamed of Christ and not to be ashamed of the mocking or the, or the, the comments or the laughing uh, or, or whatever it might be that others of their age might say about them don't be afraid to suffer that's, that's, just, that's just normal Christian life they, you read the Christians in the Bible they, they, they usually didn't have a bed of roses and a royal red carpet to walk on these all received a better resurrection because of their faithfulness and Second um, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. The more you know the word of God, the less you'll be taken by surprise, by surprise and be frustrated or confused at what's going on. All of us who know the Lord Jesus as our Savior are going to be resurrected. All of us. The Bible says in John 11, verse 25 and 26, Jesus said, I am the resurrection of life. Whosoever believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Jesus is the resurrection. All of us that are saved will be resurrected. But do you want a better resurrection? I mean, getting to heaven is certainly better than going to hell. But I'm going to tell you right now, a better resurrection's better than just a resurrection. To have something that you're actually going home to heaven for. I like that course. I've got more to go to heaven for than I had yesterday. I'm not just going but i'm going and glad to go i laid up my treasures in heaven and on the earth i have i have fought a good fight and i have earned crowns in heaven and i have no problem going it says in second timothy 2 3 endure hardness as a good soldier of jesus christ and that's exactly where to be we are to be as good soldiers who endure the hardness of this world and and, and the wickedness of this world and there's something wrong with popular Christianity. Would we not all agree that our world today is darker than probably it's been in our lifetime? Less godly than ever before. So beware of the popular Christianity. There's something. There's something not right there. Beware of Reverend Wonderful with the big smiley pearly teeth and the and the stadium full of people. Beware of that. There's something not right. And the idea that if you're right with God, your life is just so easy and so you know, materialistically rewarding. That's not Bible. I can't find which apostle lived like that. That's not there. They all suffered. Now I'm not saying I walk around looking for suffering. Oh, I hope I suffer today so I can earn more rewards. But at the same time, we should recognize that if we're light and they're darkness, guess what the Bible says? Darkness does not like light. <clears throat> light and darkness do not get together; they don't mix. There's an agitation there. <clears throat> you rub people the wrong way just because of the fact that you aren't afraid to stand and be the light in a world that needs to be that needs to see that light. <coughs> um, I so appreciate even some young people we have in our church right now, they, they in their own way have made stands and done things that they think God would have them to do. And I think they're being a light. I really do. I think that they're being a light that may, might rub some of their peers the wrong way or even some relatives the wrong way or whatever it might be. And because of that, they have to endure hardness. They have to suffer some. I know of a missionary, a pastor. Actually, he was a missionary. Now he's a pastor in Washington State. His mother wasn't a Christian, and so his whole growing up teenage years, he would he would live his life and, and just and he wasn't ugly to his mom, but he would just tell her, "Mom, this is what the Bible says," and the, and she would get so mad at him that finally she said, "I'm not letting you go to church anymore." Well, he, he's kind of stuck because he's a teenager; his mom's not letting him go to church. So he went into his room and he pulled out some music and he played the music on his little player sat down on the floor with his bible and he would sing the songs and his mom could hear him singing. sing she would be like, what are you doing well mom i'm having church in my bedroom i don't know what else to do she'd bad at him for that just bad and uh his own mother i think later on his mother finally came to the lord you, you you endure hardness why because that's how we do battle with the spiritual world we do battle with the spiritual world by by, not purposely but because of our light that agitates and pricks the heart and the conscience of these people who who know there's something right and good about your life and they, they, they're they having a hard time kicking against the pricks as it, as it says about Saul who became Paul. These people of faith who suffered for righteousness sake like verse 37 sawn asunder sawn asunder and there are so many others who Suffered in different ways because they were Christians and because they served God over themselves. So, uh, through faith they subdued kingdoms. Through faith they suffered for righteousness' sake, and through faith they stayed the course. We're going to look at this course in a minute as we go to Second Timothy chapter four, verse seven. But they stayed the course against all opposition. The Bible says there in Hebrews eleven thirty nine. These all having obtained a good report through faith. You know, God has a report card for us. When I die, I want to have a good report. It doesn't matter if I live the first 50 years of my life with a good report. If I was to waste it in the next 20 or 30, I want to die with a good report. God says when their final grade came in, the Lord gave them a good report. Do You know why? They didn't quit during their peril. When it was tough, they didn't stop, and they didn't quit. They kept trusting God and moving forward and they stayed. They kept running the race what do you want the final report to say concerning yourself and your life, what do you want it to say Paul said in 2 Timothy 4-7 I have fought a good fight I have finished my course I have kept the faith that's a great epitaph I did what God gave me to do I ran my race, we're going to see that next week as we look at chapter 12 of Hebrews, running our race. God's given us a race to run. And we are to run that race and to finish our course and to keep the faith. Did he face peril and hardship? You bet he did. Let me just read you some of the things that Paul went through and we'll stop today. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 25, I think it is. This is just Paul's life. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once I was stoned, literally to death, came back to life. Thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day have I been in the deep out in the ocean, in journeyings often in perils of waters, and perils of robbers, and perils of mine own countrymen, and perils by the heathen, and perils in the city, and perils in the wilderness, and perils in the sea, and perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often in hunger and thirst, and fastings often in cold and nakedness. Besides those things that were, are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches, who is weak and I am not weak, and who is offended and I burn not. <coughs> and on and on we could go. And we complained because we had a hangnail this morning, or we got a hole in our sock, or uh, the tire's, uh, tires low, or, or, or the hot water was cold in the shower, or something like that. And We have no idea. Uh, what some of these folks went through in their life and endure hardship. But he stayed the course, and he said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in God. I see what's before me and forget what's behind me, and I just keep focusing on Christ, and I press toward the mark. And that's why Hebrews chapter 12 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Uh, did he have hardship and suffering? Of course he did, but he stayed the course. God has given us a course to run. He has charted it for us, and we are to stay the course. How are we going to do that? We're going to do it not by muscle and politics and, and manipulation and power. We're going to do it by faith, and God's going to use that faith like he used Gideon to prove that he is enough and he's bigger. And through, So through faith... We can finish what God has given us to do. Through faith, we finish the race. And uh, faith comes by hearing the word of God, the Bible says. And so the more we learn and stay in the word, the less we'll fall away and forget. I don't know about you, but it doesn't take me long to get away from church and away from the Bible and away from the things of God. And especially if I start filling my mind with, with what's on the smartphone, what's on the TV and on the Internet, it doesn't take long for me to forget I'm supposed to be running a race and to forget and to lose faith. And we need to recognize that God would have us to stay in his word and be challenged and be reminded of these people. It's a good thing to be reminded that some Christians are in heaven today and they got there by being sawn in half. I'm not recommending anybody in here get sawn in half. But that's how they got there. Some of them were stoned to death. Some of them had had gotten thrown into lion's dens and didn't get delivered have you ever heard of the coliseums in the roman days there are a lot of christians who were thrown into that circus while the animals ate them alive in front of the romans a lot of christians died that way it's okay i'm not saying i like it i'm not saying it's okay but it's okay because they died knowing we're going to heaven. We have some videos in our library about some of these people and their stories when, and books and uh, great things for us to remember. And you say, I don't want my children to see that. Listen, compared to what they're seeing on the video games, compared to the unrealistic realities of this world, they ought to see what really is real and recognize that that could happen again. Uh, don't be afraid because there are other Christians before you that suffered that and God took care of them as well. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for faith. If it wasn't for salvation, we wouldn't have faith. We wouldn't have anything. Help us to, help us to take advantage of this faith, to, to grab a hold of it, and to, and to realize what an opportunity we have to be a blessing to your name. Help us to be people who are more concerned about what you look like than what we look like. And help us through faith to be victorious and to be people who have a better resurrection and not just a resurrection. May someone in this room today be challenged to not be afraid to suffer. Be challenged not to be afraid to look defeated if it will make you look good. And help us to do that and to meet that challenge we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.